I've still got the greatest enthusiasm and confidence in the mission. And I want to help you. Dave, stop. Stop, will you? Stop, Dave. Will you stop, Dave? Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. With us in spirit, as always, is Ian Woodington, and I am uh, very happy to have a guest on this week, uh, Brian Kuyper. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for coming on. Um, I, I, you know, I, I want to take a second before we even like launch into what, like what we're talking about or or what we're doing here. Um, I, I just want to like I, I want to give you a few minutes to plug not only uh your show but your writing. Um, as oh. I well, because I well, and and I'll get, I'll get into this a little bit later with with my almost recommend. Um, but I. Uh, <laughs> But I, I, I read, I was going through what you've written uh, over the you know last couple of months or whatever, and I, I found one. I read your uh, your article on uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, which is easily oh, one of my like sleeper, like favorite movies from the 90s. Um, so I just wanted to give you, you know, a few moments to, you know, platform yourself and talk about your, sure. your show and your writing. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I'll go with the writing first, I guess. Um, you know, since I was last on the show, 
uh, quite some time ago. I've developed, I've become a regular contributor at uh, Bloody Disgusting, um, one of the big horror websites out there. I also have a column there on classic horror, so uh, pre-1970s horror mostly. Um, but I've been able to cover all sorts of stuff there. Um, I've continued to write for Manor Vellum, uh, which I was with before. Uh, Council of Zoom <laughs> has helped me. Uh, I've been able to write outside the horror genre a bit there, uh, which has been a lot of fun. And um, I also started a podcast with my friend Michelle Egan called Movies for Life. And it's, um, we each bring a movie to the table um, each time. We go every other week uh, just to keep the editing burden a little bit <laughs> more manageable. Um, and so uh, we've, it's kind of becomes a double feature podcast. Um, yeah. So we'll have a topic. Sometimes it'll just be, you know, hey, you know, our dad's birth years. Okay. So I picked the third man for that one and she picked uh, 12 angry men, a movie. I just listened to that episode today. Yeah. So it was uh, fun to hear, um, how those, uh, those things lined up and how strangely enough, some of those things make surprisingly great pairings. Um, we've done several films on filmmaking episodes. Uh, one of my favorites was probably where she brought, uh, the movie one cut of the dead and I brought singing in the rain, uh, oh, yes. no, that's, <laughs> which was, yeah, which was a very interesting pairing and it ended up being kind of an incredibly great pairing. Um, so, and recently we did Cape fear and a nightmare on Elm street. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, we've been doing it for about nine months here and, uh, really enjoying it and got some great plans for the future. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy for all of the the movie shenanigans you're getting into, and <laughs> and honestly, and just glad that you were able to to take some time to talk about uh, this this movie. Um, the the movie that we're going to talk about uh, in in a couple of minutes here is uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. But before we get to that, um, and before we get to our recommends, obviously, uh, you know, we're we're here doing this kind of special run of episodes. Uh, because uh, our good friend Ian uh, uh, is no longer with us. And um, I've been giving people a few minutes also at the top to just sort of uh, just share any any quick or long whatever thoughts um, about, about Ian and any interactions you, you had with him. Well, for me, I really met Ian because of this show. Yeah, um, yeah. I, it, this was one of the first podcasts I started listening to, actually, um, I found it through the unspooled Facebook group, which, you know, is a podcast I believe uh, you're familiar with where they went through the AFI top 100. Indeed. Yeah. And so I, um, I heard about the show and it's like, I have that book, that book sounds, I like that book. It sounds like an interesting <laughs> podcast. Uh, so I started listening to you and I got to say the first episode, um, was on stand by me, I yes. recall. And you started saying some things about spinal tap and i was like why am i listening to this because <laughs> because i love spinal oh, tap. oh wait wait and let's so, be clear so, let's so be my, that was ian that, was, that ian. was i know that was ian i know that was ian <laughs> and the, what was funny about that was was i became determined and this was before any of the writing before anything else that i was going to come on this show and i was going to convince you guys that spinal tap is great um <laughs> that was my call um, but 
anyway, um, obviously different things happen, but, um, I started following, um, the show on Twitter and then on Facebook and I, I got to know, um, Ian a little bit through, through just interactions on Twitter and, um, just a kind, nice guy, uh, passionate about movies, um, as I am. And just hearing the interaction between you guys, even when I didn't agree, uh, it was just compelling to listen to. And I just sort of, you know, it, it came to the point where, you know, every Friday, you know, I, I work out early in the morning and I would be, I think you guys helped my lift some days because I was like, <laughs> Oh gosh, these guys, come on. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but that's part of what I like. I mean, just thinking through my own thoughts about these movies, you know, why are they canon or not? You know, why do you think they belong in the book or not? And why do I think they belong in the book or not? I thought, and that, that just became really um, engaging to me and just, I, I feel like, <laughs> no offense to you, Adam, uh -oh. but I feel like I agreed with Ian more often. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, that is totally fine. Absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, we were, I felt like, um, but then, but then when you did the Billy Wilder movies, I was like, uh oh. Oh, sure. I think, yeah, I, I, think I agree with Adam more than I agree <laughs> yep. with Ian. This is wild. And um, so it was just, um, it, it felt like hanging out with friends you know, talking about movies, uh, even though you guys couldn't hear my part of the conversation, it still felt valuable. Um, and so I was just sh shocked, uh, to hear he was gone. And, um, even though I never met Ian personally, the only, uh, I guess, face to face interaction we ever had was on our, uh, peeping Tom episode that we did. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, it hit me really hard. And in fact, when we did our, our night crawler, uh, I, we did a double feature of night crawler and broadcast news. My recommendation that week was peeping Tom because night crawler was the movie that, uh, Ian recommended to me. Yes, that's right. That day. And, uh, so, uh, that's, that's was sort of, a um, uh, my small tribute, uh, to him on our show. Um, so I'm just grateful for the time that I did, uh, have to get to know him. Um, even, even though it was from a distance and, you know, through a, a media platform <laughs> mostly. Um, but I just really am glad that I was able to connect with him in, in that time. Well, th I thank you for all of that. And, uh, mm -hmm. And yes, I, 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 I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, on our, on our PP time episode, which I, I listened to today cause I wanted to just kind of, kind of <laughs> keep it in my brain. I, 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 you know, we were definitely on polar opposites on that movie, we which, were. Is, which is okay, which is just fine. It's, it's totally fine. I think I was a little bit, um, at the time I was a little bit unconfident about my stances on movies though. So I was like, oh my gosh, they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now I'm like, I don't care. You know, yeah, I love that movie yeah, exactly. and I'm happy. And I think I uh, gave a reasonably good argument though. I, I haven't been able to bring myself to listen to the episode. Oh no, so. no, I, <laughs> no, I, I think, I think so. And that's the thing too, is it's like everybody, I think as, as long as you're able to, 
to talk about why your your everybody's opinion is valid as long as you can you know have a discussion about it so i exactly. which which is exactly what i think we we did um yeah yeah so yeah so thank you for all of that um okay so uh so now we'll just we'll hard pivot over uh to recommends uh brian as our guest i'd love to hear what you're recommending this week okay i've got a weird one perfect so this is a movie that is the reason why i picked it is because supposedly this for a time at least was stanley kubrick's favorite movie okay and it's albert brooks's 1981 film modern romance i know it's probably a little bit of a deep cut for a lot of people but it's funny because it's, it's, you know, it's a certain sort of neurotic kind of humor, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, that if you're familiar with Albert Brooks, um, you probably know what I mean. Um, but it's, it's sort of an anti-romantic comedy in a way. It's very funny. It's also a a really terrific movie about the making of movies. And they happen to be making a science fiction film. He's an editor and he's making a science fiction film. It's not a good science fiction film, (laughs) clearly. Um, But it's, uh, it's just sort of one of these funny things. Apparently Stanley Kubrick um, got uh, Albert Brooks's phone number and just started calling him at all hours of the night to talk about modern romance with him. <laughs> and <laughs> which I thought was really funny, but, and he was saying he wanted to me- make a relationship movie of his own. So in a way, modern romance is what led to Kubrick eventually making eyes wide shut. <laughs> okay. I could, I, so, I got it. I got it. Yeah. So it's, it's a, uh, but it's nothing like Eyes Wide Shut. Um, it's very funny. It has a quaalude scene to rival the one in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, okay. Um, All right. It's It's got a great scene where um, he's, because he's trying to get over this breakup with this woman and, and you know, he's decided he's going to take up running. So he goes to an athletic store and um, the salesman, who is actually played by his brother, Bob Einstein, um, <laughs> is, is this sort of huckster um, sell it, trying to sell him all this stuff that he doesn't need and, uh, things. So it's, it's very funny. It's, uh, it's very quirky. It's, they don't really make, um, uh, romantic comedies or even anti-romantic comedies like this. And I guess watching it, I, cause I watched it in a double feature today with 2001 and I thought, wow, these movies go weirdly together. And so it's a weird double feature, but it's one that um, it's kind of fun. So that's why I wanted to bring that one. Well, we all know that that uh, the the breakup in this movie is is Dave and and Hal. So no, right. I get it. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's there. True. It's um, there. Awesome. Yeah, you know, Albert. I I I know I know that he has written and 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 directed some things. Um, and I know uh-huh. recently Criterion's put a couple of his things out. Yes, I, but, uh, those both of those are really good. I, I think Defending Your Life is maybe his best movie. Uh, that's the one that most recently came out, yeah. but also Lost in America is terrific. Yeah, I, I, really good. Those are holes in my my film viewing experience that I need to I need to plug soon because I, I yeah. do like Albert Brooks. I wasn't really familiar with his movies until just a couple of years ago, and I think I've seen them all now. Oh. <laughs> and uh, they're just 
I, I have a good time with them. Nice. So. Yeah. Well, and they, they do seem like they would be those, those kind of movies. Um, they are. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, so, okay. So <laughs> I'm not going to go on too much of a rant about what, what my recommend is. I, I was, <laughs> I was hoping my recommend was going to be the green Knight because I saw that this last weekend. Okay. Um, yeah, so did I. it's, it's not, it's not my recommend. Um, I think it's visually very interesting, but uh, I, I have some issues with the storytelling. But I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's new. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um, a lot of people seem to be liking it, so that that's. Great. I, I agree. I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Good question mark. I, I totally gotcha. Totally gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so I know, and I I think I messaged you uh, about this. I don't know. Time is uh, time is just gone. When you have kids, time is. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Um, oh, I remember those days, <laughs> but I remember, um, I, I, I messaged you cause I, I, I wanted to call out cause you wrote an article on synchronic, which I really, really like. I really like yeah. that movie. And yeah. I, I, uh, uh, not last night or maybe it was again, time. Uh, anyways, my wife and I watched, um, the endless, uh, oh, okay. which, which I, I did enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I, I gotta be true to who I am and I definitely gotta be true to my good friend Ian and, uh, this is a first. I, so we've we've definitely taken recommends and and had them become replacements, but we've never had a, just a sheer replacement be a recommend. And I'm going way back. Uh, I think it was our second episode or third or, uh, anyways, uh, during our band our Badlands episode, I replaced it with what is now going to be my recommend for this week, which is True Romance. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And even though True True Romance has been out forever, um. Arrow just released it on 4K and my oh. um I I a couple weeks ago I just or about a week ago I just got it in the mail and I was like itching to watch it itching to watch it and I mentioned it to my wife cuz I was I was convinced she'd seen it and she was like I showed her a, just a quick little trailer and she's like yeah no I've never seen that I was like oh shit we are watching this tonight um and I'm so glad I'm so glad we did she enjoyed it too so anyways um the the quick I mean if you haven't seen True Romance it's a Tarantino script uh uh, directed by Tony Scott, which again, just Tony like Scott. those two mm-hmm. names together. That's just, it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very much got Badlands vibe. It's very much got that Bonnie and Clyde and sort of natural born killers where uh, Clarence, who is played by Christian Slater, is this sort of, it's hard to call him like a loser guy because it's Christian Slater. He's still pretty cool, right. but um, he works at a comic book store where he likes Kung Fu movies and he's kind of a loner and his boss hires Alabama, who's played by... Um, uh, oh no, 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 no. It's out of my brain. Um, Patricia Arquette. Arquette. Yes. Thank you. Right. Um, yeah. uh, to be, she's a call girl, but she's been a cargo for like four days and she falls in love and, and basically the, it's like love at first sight. And, um, he has to get her stuff from, from, uh, uh, her pimp named Drexel played qu- quite deliciously by Gary Oldman. Um, uh-huh. and shit goes wrong and then they have, they have to go on the run. They end up stealing drugs and um, it's there. It's basically them driving across the country and trying to offload these drugs in L.A. And then in the in the interim, you've got a wonderful cameos, a great scene between Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. You, Brad Pitt is in this thing. James Gandolfini is in this thing. Tom Sizemore, Chris Penn, uh, Michael Rapaport, Bronson Pinchot. Um, I mean, this the cast is just littered. I mean, there's just people all over the place and. It's over the oh, and Val Kilmer plays Elvis, which I yeah, I mean, how do you forget that's that? Right. Um, I mean, that's it, right. It's just it's just an off the wall. I mean, it's like you've you've already got a Tarantino script, and then you give it mm-hmm. to one of the most 
like bombastic and visually mm-hmm. pleasing directors. And, and it's just, it's so much, it's, there's just so much going on and, but it's great. I mean, it's not like, it's not like Pulp Fiction or whatever. It's not, it's not necessarily prestige, but it is such an entertaining film. And Ian and I mm-hmm. frequently would, would reference that Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper scene as one of the best dialogue driven scenes in a movie ever. We both just absolutely love that movie. And I know that, I know that that movie also holds a, uh, uh, a, a special place uh, in his and his wife's heart, uh, which is also mm-hmm. just another reason to to shout it out. But True Romance, oh man, if you haven't seen it, I I couldn't recommend this movie enough. I haven't seen it in a very long time, personally. Um, I, I don't know why I've only seen it. I've only seen it once, and it was a long time ago, and I loved it. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, I haven't sat down to watch it again. And I know that I need to. I know it's. it's I'm well overdue to rewatch that movie. Yeah, it's it's a blast. It it is quite the film. Um, so perfect. Okay, so there you go. Our our recommends this week. We've got Modern Romance and True Romance. Whoa, wait, is that whoa? I'm <laughs> just noticing that now. That is fantastic. I, there we go. <laughs> all right. All right. The two romance. That's great. As we're talking about 2001 A Space Odyssey, that is, that's, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So here we go. We're talking about 2001 A Space Odyssey. This is directed by Stanley Kubrick, written with him, uh, him and, and Arthur Clarke, who wrote the novel kind of at the same time. Uh, here's, I'm just going to stop here for, for one second. Um, when I, when I was going through, uh, these list of movies and, 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 and figuring out what I wanted to do and pick the movies that I knew that he really liked. Um, there were two movies that I was dreading in a way, not because I didn't like them, <laughs> but because they're, they're deep philosophical, really open kind of movies. Uh, mm-hmm. this is one of them. Um, yeah. and, and this is an episode where, uh, I, I, I would have been excited to talk about it, but, this is a, a big movie with a lot of uh, like a, a lot of it's open to interpretation. So yeah. we'll just state for the record here that we're going to do our best with with any of and, and all of this. So so dear listeners, uh, bear with us. Um, so that's that that's who wrote. But I think the fact that uh, it is so inter- open to interpretation is kind of a saving grace of this conversation sure. too. I yeah. mean, we yeah. don't have to get it all right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we quote won't quote right. Yeah. We won't um, be talking in absolute certainties. I think at any point no, <laughs> during this conversation. No. Um, so I, you know, in terms of the cast, I didn't. Okay. So obviously we have Kier uh, D'Elia who plays Dave and we have Gary Lockwood who plays Frank. Those are the, the two astronauts uh, on the, the Jupiter mission. Um, I've also, I got, uh, William Sylvester who plays Haywood, who's sort of the main guy in the, the chunk of the space movie before that. I also want to, obvi- I want to shout out, um, Douglas rain, who does the voice of Hal 9000 and Daniel Richter yes. who plays yes. moon watcher, who's the main ape. And also, um, and I'll talk about him more later. Cause he was the, um, he was the mime brought in to help teach the other mime artist to, to be the, the, the monkeys in the beginning of the movie. Um, there are obviously other people in the movie and I had a few here, but I, you know, those are the, the main folk and really there's not a whole lot of characters in it. So if there's anybody mm-hmm. that you'd like to give some, like a special commendation to I, I feel free, but I, I mean, those are the main people. 
Well, I was, uh, if you weren't going to mention Daniel Richter, that was the one I was going to mention. Oh, so, big time. Um, yeah. Well, I hate to, and, I hate to spoil it, it this early, but he's my, he is definitely my unsung hero of the movie. Mine too. There you go. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So maybe we're more on the same page with this than we think we are, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we we're ju- we just scratched the surface of the movie, so I, I know. I guess, I guess I know. we'll find out. Um, okay, cool. So great. So perfect. Yeah, those those are the bulk of of the that's the main folk in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So as 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 Ian and I have mentioned in previous episodes, so uh, Kubrick has I think what you would thirteen movies that are considered feature length or 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 long movies. Nine of them are in the book. Those are. Paths of Glory, Spartacus, Lolita, which we did an episode on, Dr. Strangelove, what we did an episode on, uh, this film, A Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, The Shining, and Full Metal Jacket. And as we mentioned, too, I think on our Dr. Strangelove episode, starting with Paths of Glory and obviously leaving out Eyes Wide Shut, every movie that he made consecutively there is in the book. That if you if you think about it, the bulk of his career the middle part of it right there, every film he did consecutively is in the book, which is quite pretty astounding. Yeah. Um, now, now I, I, and I don't want to tip the hat, uh, too much for later. Um, because we will be talking about our, our top five Kubrick at the end of the episode. Um, on our Lolita episode, I said it should be in the book and he said it shouldn't be, but, and he replaced it with the killing, which I hadn't seen Mm. yet. And then I saw the killing and then I agreed with him. Um, So, anyways, that but we'll 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 talk Kubrick's filmography a little bit more later. But just just a just a quick shout out to like just the sheer volume of films, and mm-hmm. and like with such consistency that he made movies. Absolutely, it's striking that run of films. It really is, you know. I, <laughs> in <laughs> fact, choosing the top five was no easy task. Oh yeah, frankly, yep. And I'm looking at my list right now going, do I want that there or there? Yeah, I, want it, I know. know. I know. So, yeah. Uh, we'll, and we'll, we'll hash that out in a little bit here. Um, All right. So uh, at the Academy Awards, it it did win Best uh, Special Effects the year it came out. Um, it had other nominations, uh, w- uh, one for directing, one for art direction, which both of those lost to Oliver, and another one for writing, which it lost to the producers. Uh, I-, I tweeted last night that I-, I watched Oliver for the first time. Oh, I've uh, never seen it. <laughs> oh, dude, it is not good. Now, here's what I'll say. Um, and and I know because I know you're you're a musician and uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and I and I've I'm an actor and I've done I've done musicals before. I like I want to be very clear. I like musicals. I like them a lot. I yeah. just like them when they're good. And uh, yep. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I I I I was not in it from pretty much the beginning. I just didn't like it. Have you ever seen it on stage? I have not. I didn't particularly like it there either. Well, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So, uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I have seen it on stage. Well, there you go. Um, but, and I'm, and I'm totally okay with this losing, um, uh, uh, writing to the producers, which is just, you know, great. Yeah. Yeah. Producer is a great movie. Um, Well, I mean the, the writing in this movie, I don't think of this movie as a writer's movie. Exactly. No, I, well, exactly. And, and it's tough. Well, and Ian and I always talked about what what is adapted and original mean and, and what constitutes a good script when, you know, is it the dialogue or is it the story? And uh, right. Yeah. Um, this kind of has neither. (laughs) 
I, that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> um, and then I, I just, you know, I, I pride myself on my Oscar knowledge, but this is a year uh, up until last night, which I hadn't even seen Oliver. Um, and the other, the other movies up for, um, best, uh, picture that year. I mean, we've got Rachel, Rachel, which I, I, I don't know much about, um, funny girl, which I know of, but I haven't seen, um, Zaffirelli's Romeo and Juliet, which I haven't seen. And the line in winter, which again, begrudgingly I haven't seen. Um, but I don't know. I look at that, that batch and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. The movies from 1968 that I think of personally are, well, uh, two of them are horror movies. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. And, oh, that's good. Which which would never be nominated for Best Picture. Of course not. No. But Rosemary's Baby, mm. on the other hand, um, yeah. I think would have qualified for sure for a best picture nomination in my mind yeah um ro, ro, i know it's it's we i, I told you know i think off mic or maybe on an episode my wife and i watched it about a year ago and we were just riveted by it and it's like that's that is that is a classic example of like we yeah hate the guy who made it but oh, oh yeah man, but oh god that movie is that, really that movie good. is remarkable <laughs> it really is it really is yeah um, so talk about creating dread in a subtle way in oh, a powerful way it's yeah. it's there's really nothing as that's quite like that in, yeah. in horror even I, so. i'm definitely appreciative of the fact that I, I i live in a house now and not in an apartment complex because because uh, mm-hmm. that's i don't i does somebody like creeping in through oh yeah i don't want to i don't want to spoil <laughs> a very old movie in case somebody hasn't seen it but i didn't know that was i didn't know what, what was going on and that uh, whoo yeah okay um, yeah, that's funny because I've I have I have not seen any of those nominees. Yeah, um, that I know I can, that I've I've heard of Funny Girl. Oh, I've I've seen Romeo and Juliet. Okay, um, but yeah. I haven't seen the other. I, and I'm and Lion of Winter. I know it because you know Peter O'Toole, Catherine Hepburn, I believe. Yes. No. Yep. No. It's, is that is that right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's totally. Maybe right. I have seen that one. I don't remember anything about it though. <laughs> Fair. Um, it did have it. it, it uh, had some more luck at the BAFTAs. It won art direction, cinematography, and soundtrack. It lost best film and the UN award. Uh, it picked up a DGA nom. It was uh, in the National Board of Review's top 10. Hey, Brian, was this film inducted into the National Film Registry? Well, yes, it was. Indeed, it was. Um, other films uh, inducted that year. And and this is funny because this 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 was inducted the same year as Lawrence of Arabia, which okay. is uh, actually as we're recording was was released today. Um, uh-huh. So I'm, I'll just repeat some of these, but these are familiar. So we uh, uh, Sherlock Jr. and City Lights were uh, films that we've done okay. episodes on. Uh, Chinatown was another key one, and then talking to the you know the the quote unquote horror guy here. Um, the original Frankenstein and King Kong were also inducted. That Excellent. Year. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, and there's obviously more, but I, you know, I just pulled a few. Um, sure. On the original AFI um, uh, top 100 films, it was 22. When they redid the list in 2007, it got all the way up to 15. It currently sits at number 89 on the IMDb top 250 between Return of the Jedi and Reservoir <laughs> Dogs. Um, I, Interesting. I love, you know what? I, I the 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 IMDb top two fifty is bananas, but I always love seeing it's what movies so are so close together because that is just that is just something. 
Um, it's crazy to me that, you know, Return of the Jedi owes so much to this movie. I oh. mean, as far as just, you know, and, and of course the whole Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Does. Yeah. Um, really, um, just in terms of special effects. Yes. You know. Oh, oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's just sort of funny that, you know, cause science fiction was not viable, you know, yeah. in, in <laughs> well before 1968. I mean, and I, some would say it wasn't then either. Well, and to, to quote Kubrick, I mean, he wanted to make the, he wanted to make the good science fiction movie. Right. So, I mean, right. I mean, again, and that's obviously open. That, that's his opinion. And I'm sure people <laughs> who worked on sci-fi before that were like, well, fuck you Kubrick. Cause I, yeah. Um, uh, okay. So, so, uh, it's got a 92% uh, critical, 89% audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so here's I, – I, I don't want to spend too much time um, on, on these reviews, but I would love to maybe talk about the, the polarizing view of this movie. So mm-hmm. um, I, I took a snippet from Ebert's original review, and um, okay. I think this is maybe the, the first paragraph he said. He said, it was E.E. E. Cummings, the poet, who said he'd rather learn from one bird how to sing than teach 10,000 stars how not to dance. I imagine Cummings would not have enjoyed Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, in which stars dance but birds do not sing. The fascinating thing about this film is that it fails on the human level but succeeds magnificently on a cosmic level. Uh-huh. So so we're gonna, we have that. We're going to put that to the side. I'm going to read two paragraphs from Pauline Kael's review. Okay. 2001 is a movie that might have been made by the hero of Blow Up, the uh, the Antonioni film. And okay. it's fun to think about Kubrick really doing every dumb thing he wanted to do. Building enormous science fiction sets and equipment, never even bothering to figure out what he was going to do with them. Fellini, too, had gotten carried away with the erector set approach to movie making, but his big science fiction construction, exposed to view at the end of Eight and a Half, was abandoned. Kubrick never really made his movie either, but he doesn't seem to know it. Some people, like the American International Pictures staff, uh, stuff, because it's rather idiotic, and maybe some people love 2001 just because Kubrick did all that stupid stuff, acted out a kind of super sci-fi nuts fantasy. In some way, it's the biggest amateur movie of them all, complete even with the amateur movie obligatory scene, the director little's daughter, the director's little daughter in curls, telling daddy what kind of present she wants. And then I think this is the last paragraph, or this is part of the last paragraph. The light show trip is of no great distinction. Compared to the work of experimental filmmakers like Jordan Belson, it's third rate. If big film directors are to get credit for doing badly what others have been doing brilliantly for years with no money, just because they put it on a big screen, then businessmen are greater than poets and theft is art. Wow. I Listen, Pauline Kale, you talk about like, I, I, I don't know that I agree or disagree. I, and, and the way that she words things, I'm left going... Well, that was brilliantly written, and and yeah. it, it, and it, and a great and I, I it's I'm I'm flabbergasted, and I and I really and and not in like a how dare she kind of way, but just like wow, right. I yeah. you know and I I do I like I love podcasting, and I feel like I'm good on the fly, and I'm good at you know talking back and forth with people, and and like sort of forming my thoughts even more so as we as we talk about a movie. 
but like to just sit down and do that. I don't know. Like I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind that of makes me want to want to just you know throw my laptop up out the window and no, never write again. No, my don't God. do that. Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> you know, I mean, and again, I I I don't agree with Kale's um, statements there. Just just for the record, but um, but wow, what a writer! Yeah. What a writer! Indeed, she was. indeed. Yeah. Um, so before we jump into uh, our, the actual bulk of the episode, I got to ask you a question, Brian. Brian. Do you like lists? I love lists. You love lists? I love lists. Do, do you love lamp? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> so okay. So okay, so quickly. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm old. So I mean I, I I kept you guys kept saying that on the show and it's like I kept meaning to Google it, but I just oh, it's kept so great. So it's it off. it's it's from Anchorman. Okay. Um and which I've seen once. I yeah. have seen Anchorman. I'm, I'm not that much of a... All the, all the crew are in Ron Burgundy's office, and Steve Carell's character, uh, he just starts saying, like, I love, I love Cher. And, and Ron's okay. like, okay. And then he, he, just says, he just says other things that he loves in the room, and he goes, I love Lamp. And then Ron goes, are you just saying that, or do you, do you really love the Lamp? He goes, I love Lamp. I love Lamp. Um, and that's it. It's just a very okay. weird, random thing. And um, again, like 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 a lot of the bits on the show, we're just formed out of like we've done this enough, and now it's just in. So so yeah. So now we ask if you love lists and do you love lamp? You know, I, I clearly I just need to see that movie again. So. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I I do love it. It is it is one of my favorite movies. I it's 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 the comedy that I think is held up the most for me. Okay, fair enough. You know, and I love Steve Carell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So, so uh, again, and as we've been trying to do, we've been trying to necess- like avoid like you know some of the more obvious lists. Um, and sure. uh, and I, whenever I can shout out Cinefix, I, I will. And uh, it's a great YouTube channel, and I love their lists, and they really make me think and explore new movies. So, uh, one of their earlier lists um, was uh, they did the top ten pieces of editing. So um, I'm going to run through uh, their their top ten. Um, okay. So uh, number ten, they had uh, the opening credits from City of God. Have you seen City of God? Oh, so long ago. I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's really frenetic and fast paced and cut mm-hmm. and, and cut really kind of choppy, but in a fun way. And we don't really know in a way that uh, through the opening that this kid is kind of growing up from like from like a little boy to like a teenager. Um, but anyway, so that was that was their ten. Um, okay. At number nine, they chose the final shootout in Bonnie and Clyde. Ah, yeah. Uh, in number number eight, they chose the um, the I, kind of the whole end of of North by Northwest, pulling her up mm-hmm. from Mount Rushmore into the train and then into the tunnel oh. and the uh, kind of obvious innuendo there. Yeah, yeah. Um, number seven, they chose the uh, baptism slash uh, murder scene from The Godfather. Godfather. Okay. Uh, number six, they chose the Odessa Steps from Battleship Potemkin. Of course. Uh, number five, uh, probably knows. And I, I mean, a lot of these aren't are kind of no surprises in a way. Uh, number five, the shower scene from Psycho. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, the opening I slit into the cloud scene from Unshan Andalou. Ooh. Ah, okay. Okay. Uh uh, for number three, they went with the opening, uh, the This Is The End opening from Apocalypse Now. 
Okay. Uh, number two, and the reason uh, why we're talking about it, is the Dawn of Man cut from 2001. Ah, uh, that single cut. Yep. Well, it's well probably worth it. But, <laughs> Worthy well, of that. And here's the, the number one is also one of those. The um, the no Dryden, it's going to be fun blowing out the match into the desert in Lawrence oh, of Arabia. Oh, in Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. So those, according to Cinefix, are the top 10 pieces of editing. That's what they went with. Those are pretty good, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I guess I'm think with with both the top two there, it's a single cut. Yeah. Um, and that's and boy, those are memorable cuts. Yep, <laughs> it's they, hard to beat either of those. They are. 